I share too much. I, I tell too much. Maybe it makes people nervous. Maybe uh, they don't need to know that much in order to do their job. And I always thought I wanted to know a lot. Therefore, I want to share a lot. And learning how to not do that. And I'm still not very good at it, but I'm better than I was. Um, I, I don't want to fail my people. I don't ever want to be um, not always thinking of my team first. And I know clients are going to come and go, but keeping a really good solid team and, and being considerate of them and genuine for them. Um, so I'm, I'm always, I'm always double checking just to make sure that the decisions I'm making are ones that in my heart of hearts, I know I'm doing what I, what I mean to do. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always happy to help. Now today we have another Where Are They At episode where we kind of, we always uh, do the original episode, we kind of hear kind of the journey of, you know, how people got to where they're at today. And then it always, for me at least, it kind of leads you wondering, you know, how do things go? Everybody, everybody has their great plans and everybody's in different phases. So it's always kind of fun to catch up, see kind of how things have gone in the last few months, where things are at now and have anything's adjusted or pivoted. So with that, we're having uh, Marsha Wilson back on and she was a great guest before and she'll give you kind of a quick reminder as to where she was at last time. And then we'll talk a little bit about how the last six months have gone have gone you know they've i think doubled as a company over the last year hired 11 people made some changes and uh, positively impacted the business and reorganized a bit of the structure of the business to make it a bit flatter and all sorts of fun discussions and so with that much as a reminder and an introduction welcome back onto the podcast marcia thank you very much Devin. it's good to be here yeah the the year has been crazy i'm not going to do any of the platitudes that we're tired of seeing in all the emails and all the blog posts but i will say it, it was um we were very blessed, very lucky to be in the technology sector. Um, it really was the one place that kind of was fairly untouched by the economy changes uh, as a function of COVID. Um, I think that we chatted last, uh, it was even last May, and then I think it w- went out on the air in sometime in August. Mm-hmm. And so, gosh, during that time, um, yeah, like you said, we ended up hiring 11 people. The demand continued. And, and, and work was good. Uh, for, as a reminder, everybody, uh, I do cloud security. I have a, a company that's service-disabled veteran-owned small business because I was in the military and I, I, my husband and I are co-founders. And it's, uh, we're up to just over 20 people right now. And this year has been the year where we're trying to pivot to really getting um, direct work. We have fantastic relationships with our partners, but I think that's been like the major change between last year and just basically taking the work as fast as we could, you know, shuffle it through the front door to really trying to work out our IP and getting our IP actually codified in a manner that looks presentable to people that is repeatable so that we can pivot to do more uh, firm fixed price engagements and less time and materials, you know, instead of walking in with a, you know, a white piece of paper and going, so tell me about your symptoms and we will find a way to solve for you. <laughs> um, actually, we've been in business long enough that we really do recognize two or three major ways that people come through the front door to us and being able to help them understand what they need to do 
um, maturing ourselves. It was, it was really fun to be fast and loose, so to speak for the first three or four years, because any success was a success and you're like, right on, I keep, you know, keep it going. That's awesome. But at some point you kind of have to, you have to grow up a little bit, I guess, when you have a company and you have to say, you know what, to the, to the betterment of everybody that's here, anybody that's coming on board, give them the places to go look in Confluence so they can understand how the company works, how the company's set up, but also how our engagements are. So you're not re- relying on that oral tradition for knowledge transfer. So I think that's probably been our major, our major pivot has been to try and really get there on that. Now, one question, because I mean, typically, and I don't know, some pivots just come naturally. You're just kind of evolution with the company. Other ones are, hey, you hit a point where it causes you to reflect or otherwise pivot because you need to or because it's necessitated or because somebody told you to or because clients are. So what kind of caused a bit of that pivot or adjustment, maturing of the business that, uh, that caused the transition? Probably started in contracts, to be honest with you, because I was the one that predominantly put together our statements of work. Um, and I kept thinking, oh, who was the client that was kind of like this? And it would make me scratch my head and I'd have to dig through, you know, go like this, looking through the files, go, oh, it was this one. Okay, I'll grab that one and do a save as and change everything. And I go, oh, this is this is not good. It's not efficient, right? And then if I'm doing that and I'm the one, I don't have any knowledge transfer between my ears. I just talk to myself. And so, but the knowledge transfer between, okay, this time it was Eric leading it. Next time it's going to be Dustin leading it now, but I can't rely on necessarily putting the same consultant in the same type of engagement next time. So the codification of the execution was equally important. And so, but it was started, I would think it was started by the contracts and recognizing that we were now big enough and things were starting to get blurry and the speed with which we were going down the highway, you know, you can't quite tell when the lines are going, you know, next to you on, on the road. And I felt like we really needed to write stuff down more than we had been. Um, there was a lot of camaraderie, a lot of, uh, cooperation with all of our consultants, but I could sense some frustration too. I could see them kind of going, isn't there anything kind of written down about this? I know we've done it before. And especially the the folks that have been with us for less than a year, it's unfair to ask them to, you know, just basically do some sort of mind meld with a, with another consultant in order to figure things out. That's, that's not, well, that's not professional. So. No, and I definitely get it. And you know, that one's, I think uh, to your point, it's a bit of the, the growing pains and you know, that's, it, it's just interesting because it listened to your, you know, evolution. That's a lot of the same thing that we have and always continue. I think it's always an ongoing evolution. It's not just like, oh, we finally figured it out. All our agreements and contracts and systems are in place and everything just flows perfectly. And we don't have to change anything because at about that time, then you figure out, you offer a new product to do th- something different. You have to or continually to evolve. But, you know, yeah. it's interesting as we originally, when I started Miller IP Law, it started out just as myself and kind of had, hey, I can kind of keep every track of everything in my head and then as can, things continue to grow and you bring people on and you work with more clients and you and then I look to say okay one is that one thing that's kind of along those lines is I got tired of just sending the exact same emails and same same correspondence over and over and said okay if I'm sending the same email and it's really the same text how can I automate or otherwise offload this so it's still still is a good interaction, still gives them the information, but I'm not having to dig through and find out that. Remember to send it to them, figure out if I changed, made any changes since the last one. So it's interesting how you kind of always hit that evolution point with businesses because one, you don't have enough time and two, you want to make the customer experience better. Yep. Yep. And staying in front of it rather than becoming a situation where you're more reacting than proacting. It's the same advice that we give our clients when we go to talk to them about security. You know, you, you can't do everything all at once and it's never done anyway. So you evolve and then you evolve and then you evolve and it's always going up and it's always getting a little bit bigger. It's always getting a little bit harder. 
if your business is going the direction you really want it to, which is to ostensibly make more money and, and be more effective with the time that you have. Now, one other pivoting just a bit, and I think you mentioned, if not, if it was when we talked before, the, I think almost doubled in size, you brought on 11 new people, which, you know, over a short amount of time, that can, that can be a a hurdle in and of itself in the sense of figuring out what to, how to train people, making sure quality's in place, making sure they're doing a good job, corresponding or not corresponding with clients and following all up. So, you know, doing that over a short period of time, any kind of lessons you've learned or things that you figured out, bringing people on or things that you're still figuring out. Yeah, I would say that when, and to our, to our size, 11 was nearly doubling, actually could have not a little more than doubling, but anyway, um, to be able to really work with each person individually, like we had originally liked about the, the cohesion of our company um, was, was not, was not scalable. Um, we went from doing weekly one-on-ones for half an hour with everyone because there were only six of us. And then when we were 12 or 15, we'd go every other week. And then then we recognized in order to be respectful of everyone's um, side time, I guess, admin time, if you want to call it that, uh, we ended up going to 20 minutes every three weeks with everyone. But we also recognized that we want to stay, really go no bigger than around 25 people anyway. So I think that that is ultimately still going to provide the get to know you factor. Um, I've actually had a, a couple of folks um, recommend, and it's interesting, they said, you know, the number of one-on-ones I'm trying to do might be comfortably replaced with some sort of random water cooler zoom that we do once or twice a week. I mean, there's plenty of ways. And and frankly, I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the company by far. I love when people come and they see things that they've seen on the internet or places that they've worked before and they want to bring these good new ideas to us and in instantiating them. I'm, I'm all about it. I want to hear what they have to say because they're the ones that need to make this place as awesome to work at. And, you know, I, I, I present everything out, but they're the ones that are participating, bringing it all in. So mm. No, and I think I definitely think it makes sense. Now, remind me, because I, I know we chatted before, but now I can't remember. It's all of the people you work with. Are they located remotely? Do you have offices? Do they work out of your office? And I know part of that may be different with COVID, but remind me kind of how, how that's structured with you. Yeah, sure. We were remote from uh, 2015 on. So when everybody went home on that fateful March day, um, we were actually helping our clients uh, we could maintain momentum for all of our clients while they were trying to figure out how to how to burst their VPN, you know, and and to scale the things they needed to scale in order to help people be effective and, and work from home. Um, so ours has been a fully remote company from the very beginning. Ultimately, or originally, we'd said uh, 25% travel. So you'd go and you'd meet in person, but then you'd go back and, and execute the rest of it, you know, uh, at home in your bunny slippers. Um, but we've actually switched it to fully remote right now. And if you want to go back um, uh, to traveling, sometimes just let me know. And I will, I will make sure that the contracts I consider you for would or would not include travel, depending on what's going on with the clients. But I've really never had any problem with clients saying, you know, working remotely. Um, there's no place that we, there's no place we contract to. So it's no DOD or anything like that. There's no place that we'd literally have to be there. So it works out well for our, for our little company. So now, because one question I'll follow up with that, and mm-hmm. I'll get my personal bias. I don't know bias. It's probably my management style, good, bad, or different. I tend to. There's a bit of irony. I worked with a worked remotely for a large part of my career before I started my own company, and then mm-hmm. I found for my personal management style, 
I like to have people in the office at least part of the time I can check in, pop my head in, see if they're hitting any roadblocks or anything, any, any hiccups. And I know you can do that with Zoom and with email. And yet I'm horrible at do. If I can see them, if they're in front of me, I tend to check in. If they're out of sight, out of mind, then I tend to focus on other tasks because I always have plenty to do. And I never do that. So how does, you know, bringing people on, especially that many people over a short period of time, doubling in size, doing it all remotely, how did you kind of manage to juggle all that? Sure. Timing wise, we ended up with two sets of three. So I was fortunate that I was bringing them through in a little bit of a group as opposed to one, 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 because that would have been a very difficult uh, bifurcation of my day and, and getting everyone onboarded and trying to remember where they were and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I agree with you that uh, folks that like being in the office, like being in the office, it's, it's, it's interesting because I always, I always tell folks, this is a job, not a jail. And we are a style. We're not the only style. And this style may work for you right now. It may be something where you finally go, dude, I got to get back to the office. And so you end up having to leave scale second in order to find a company that is going to perform that way or do stuff that way. But moreover, and I don't see a lot of attention paid to this right now. And it's something I've been thinking about. If we're going to have managers that need to know how to manage people or teams remotely, at least even part of the time, it's a different type of management style because mm -hmm. you're right. Sometimes if it, there is something very personal, it feels really good when your manager comes down the hall, in my opinion, comes down the hall and goes, Hey, what you working on? Oh, that looks great, man. You're like, huh, that's awesome. I'm glad they noticed that I'm doing a good job. <laughs> other than when they come down the hall and you're like, crap, I'm going to get in trouble right now. Like, close but, the door other, but yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting right now to see how many people are choosing at least for now i mean there'll be i think there'll be some sort of semblance of of middle part i don't think it'll be as much as it was before but it's going to get back a little bit as well i think um but it's going to be a different management style in order to manage a remote team it really does take a little time to be different oh, and, I, and i and i think that that's a fair point because i mean i think that they're there are some people that work great from home, some people that don't work great from home. There are some people that manage people, and I think it's a different it's a different skill set or at least a different way of doing it when you're managing people from home than when you're managing in the office. Because in my you know, for me, it's easier if I pop my head over, you know, in their office or over their shoulder and say, Hey, what are you working on? Anything I can help out with or doing it, versus you have to more intentionally or actively or reach out to them when they're not in the office, just because oftentimes you don't think of it. So it'll be interesting evolution as we kind of, as things continue to open back up and do that. One is to how many employers will say, nope, I don't want to do this. I hated managing it from home. I get that we had to do it for a period of time, but if you're working for me, you got to come back in the office versus how many will do a hybrid model versus how many will stay at home. And it'll be interesting. I know we're all probably lad, but I, I don't, I know that that's, uh, there's a lot of differences of opinion. Um, so now kind of uh, shifting gears just a bit. So, you know, you did that, you, and I think one of the other things that you did was you mentioned that you flattened your organizational structure a bit, or you adjusted it. I mean, you kind we of did. touched on that, but kind of what necessitated that and how did you start to adjust that, that organizational structure? In order to be the CEO that I'm supposed to be, if I can define something well enough to define it, I mean, like if I, if I have a task that I can describe well enough to define it, I should be delegating it. And that is because my team is pretty high speed. And I've got four VPs now, one's for compliance, one's for consulting, one's for engineering, one's for operations. And they are hot, highly energized and uh, capable people too. And if I'm hoarding things that they could be doing, it keeps me, I mean, I'm, I'm paying them, right? They should be doing, I mean, I mean, if they need help, of course I'm gonna help them. But I mean, literally I should delegate everything I can possibly consider because that frees me up to do the things that only I can do. Meaning like as the leader, there are certain things I should be doing. It's the sales, it's the leadership, it's these types of 
of, you know, communications with folks like yourself. And I can't delegate that. So I, I have had to really let go because at the end of the day, man, you want to check some boxes and say, I did a good job and look at that things all dressed right dress. I did that. And the truth is um, most of the things that I do are either um, grenade jumping or going into a direction I am, I've never been before. And it's, it's, that's the part where I go, man, if I go to bed at the end of the day, just exhausted. I know I'm learning something and, and more days than not. And it's not a function of just, I'm not spinning my wheels, but I'm trying to think of what could I do to remedy this problem or learn something new or address a different thing. Whereas when I was just, you know, director of professional services, man, I'm making sure those contracts are there. I'm making sure those people are on their flight to get them. I mean, just, just at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I knew what I'm doing and it feels good because I'm competent. <laughs> and when you have this kind of job, you just never know what's going to come up next. And you have to be prepared to, to, to know how to Google it real quick and find out what the answer is and apply it and pivot. If it doesn't work, it's, it's a, it's a different, different world. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I mean, what my role has always been, my problem is generally and not imputing my, or my problem to you is I always think I can do things better than everybody else. And sometimes <laughs> I probably can, but even, even if I'm assuming I, I obviously can't do every, everything better than everybody else, but even if I could, the problem is, is you get to a point to where you don't have the time to do everything and you're actually holding back the company because you're now not getting everything done because you're now allowing, you're, you're trying to catch up and you don't have enough time in the day. And so things slip by or you keep pushing them out and they would help to build a business to grow it and to make it expand. And because you're not they're letting others do it, you're not. So I always came to the conclusion, if I get someone that reaches that they can do 80% as good as what I think I could do that's good enough to pass it off. And I should really then focus on the things that other people can't do as well. If they can't do that 80%, if, you know, if it seems that I can't push off or pass off, then those are the things I should focus on. But it's a hard lesson to learn, especially if one of your type A personality, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to do it because you want it to be done right. And you wanted to make sure that it's done. And so it's always a hard transition, but it's one that seems to always happen as you grow. It's interesting to me, especially when you're, when you're speaking, cause you're on the legal side of the world, there really is kind of wrong and right there, you know, as far as the language goes, but even though you're using a language, it's not math, it's still a language and there's still interpretations that you could be inserting into it that are potentially going to um, change, you know, the advice that you're providing or the, 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 the information that you're providing to your clients. And sometimes you need to recognize you globally, you, that um, your way is not the only way that's perfect. Like they may bring you something that is 80% of what you would do, but it may be a hundred percent perfectly worthy for what the tasker was. And yes, you might've done a little bit different, but the truth is if you hire smart people and get out of the way, man, you end up with, we end up with some really neat people on your team and, and you'll learn by watching them going, mm -hmm. I never thought to do it that way. That's pretty awesome. I wouldn't have done it that way, but Awesome. No, and I definitely agree. And I, I always kind of, and now we just get to talk about a little bit of rat hole, a rabbit hole or a tangent, but you know, it was always, for me, it was kind of, I brought people on, I would start to give them a short look or so, short rope or short leash. And then as they continue to earn trust and said, okay, yes, I wouldn't have, to your point, I wouldn't have done it exactly that way. And then you always have to step back and say, but is it good enough or does it meet what the, what the needs of the client are, or what we need to do, even if I would have done it slightly different? In some ways I'm saying, no, if it's not, then I'll, I'll hammer them or I'll teach them the ways that they should be doing it and sure. then make sure they implement that. And other times I'm like, yeah, I would have done it differently, but that's, you know, 
my way doesn't mean it was better or it was better. It was just different. So, but it, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn. It is one that it took me a while and I still, some, sometimes I do it better and other times I'm like, no, I just want it done my way because I know my way works. So it's always a, it's always a fun uh, process to mature with the business. So I'm glad that you're over there struggling with the same thing. I am. <laughs> I, I think everybody, I, and I said, I, I always go back to, I, my personal opinion is every entrepreneur, everybody that is a startup thinks that they're the smartest person in the room and that they can do it the best. Because if you didn't, you would never start your own business. If you thought, oh yeah, they're doing it better. They can do better than me. Then you should probably go work for them because you shouldn't, you, there isn't anything you're offering in this unique. So you almost by definition have to say, I can do it better and I'm smarter than everybody. Even if you're not, you think that. And then as you start, but then you bring people on and you have to kind of overcome that because otherwise you'll never grow the business and you'll always be a single individual. And if you want to be a single individual just doing your own thing by all means but if you ever want to grow the business and have more revenue and succeed in that you almost have to give that some bandwidth to grow absolutely i totally agree so i think that well that one there's a lot of things that we could touch <laughs> on um but you know I, as we start to wrap up the podcast just a bit one of the questions i always ask two questions at the end of each podcast when we do the normal episode when we do the where are we at now episodes i do a bit of a mix up so we'll jump to that question now which is as an entrepreneur what's your biggest fear well i have always gotten feedback even since the very beginning of any time i've gone through annual reviews at work that say i am i am i share too much I, I tell too much. Maybe it makes people nervous. Maybe uh, they don't need to know that much in order to do their job. And I always thought I wanted to know a lot. Therefore, I want to share a lot and learning how to not do that. And I'm still not very good at it, but I'm better than I was. Um, I, I don't want to fail my people. I don't ever want to be um, not always thinking of my team first. And I know clients are going to come and go, but keeping a really good solid team and, and being considerate of them and genuine for them. Um, so I'm, I'm always, I'm always double checking just to make sure that the decisions I'm making are ones that in my heart of hearts, I know I'm doing what I, what I mean to do. Um, so I, I, I fear that um, either it won't be construed that way. It won't come across that way. I will imply it. It will not be, you know, inferred that way or, I, I literally will miss the arc. And I hope that the same way that when you're raising kids, you can go back to them and go, wow, I had a really bad day, kiddo. Can you, can I have a do-over? And, and, and kids always give it to you, man. Kids will always be kind to you. If you said, wow, mommy was a jerk. Can, can we try again? And mommy will try not to be a jerk now. And they think it's funny. Exactly. Right. So they don't care. Um, you don't always have that same latitude with adult relationships, but I still think there's something very, very humbling and very important about being able to say, boy, I could have really done that better. I, I appreciate you being, being honest enough with me that that was not acceptable to you. And you would have rather I did it a different way because that allows me to make some changes and grow myself and continuing to grow is, is penultimate in my mind. No. And I was just laughing because a lot of those, I mean, I did it and I was like a week or two ago when I was just having a moment of reflection of, you know, I don't know that I lost my patience or I, but I got frustrated with an employee and it really wasn't necessarily their fault. It, there was the, something that I thought they could have done better, but the level of frustration I expressed wasn't requisite with what, what caused it, but they you know, so then had a little bit of requisite, you know, and a lot of things interesting is, is, is a, is an employer, is a, is a boss, is a CEO, whatever you want to call it. There are a lot of stresses that are unrelated to the employees that tend to see through and, you know, you know, you have the emails that never stop. You have, you're the always one that's ultimately accountable to the client. Even if you have employees that do it, 
they're not going to care that the employees messed up. They're going to say the company messed up. And you have, you know, all these things. You're always having to make sure the paychecks are paid and everything's on time and everything's done. And all of these things go on and on. I had nothing to do with the employee, but just like a parent, you can have a bad day and it's nothing to do with the kid. And they do something small and you just get frustrated and you get more frustrated than you should. It happens to employees. And to your point, it's one of those that sometimes it's easy to, it's, as an employee, you don't get why you're getting hammered. And yet it's easy as a boss. You're saying, oh, I just frustrated and everything. And sometimes it boils over. But also like, you know, the other thing I think you hit on there was a bit of, you know, at least or kind of raised in my mind is a bit of transparency. And that's always a bit, everybody wants to have transparency right up until they don't, right up until you share too much or you <laughs> tell them, hey, you know, here's some things that you're working on. They And then they take that as, hey, I'm not, Rather than I'm trying to help you grow or be better, they take it as you're hammering them and oh my gosh, I'm gonna get fired and they're not they don't gonna want me to work for them anymore. And so it's always that balance of everybody wants transparency, but how much transparency should you have? Because you share too much, you can make the employees nervous. Or hey, mm -hmm. work is slowing down a bit. And you know, I'm trying to get more work in. Well, some people are understanding and others saying, Oh my gosh, am I gonna have a job next week? Because all things are starting to slow. So it's always those all those balances of lots of stress, trying to get the the right amount of transparency, the right amount of sharing without oversharing or getting or getting frustrated. I think that's the TLDR on being a leader is that there's never balance. You might go ripping past that fulcrum, but you're not going to stay there for a minute and even balance on like one foot. You're going to go. <laughs> you're always, exactly. you're always on the BOSU ball. Always. <laughs> Definitely agree with you. Well, as, as we start to wrap up, if people want to, you know, they want to hire you and your team for, you know, cloud security expertise or consultancy or, you know, anything else, they want to be a customer or a client, they want to be apply to be an employee, they want to be an investor in your business, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out, contact you and find out more? Sure, sure. Just go straight to scalesec.com, S-C-A-L-E-S-E-C.com. If you want to reach me, I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. You can send it to Marsha at scalesec.com or info at scalesec.com. Both of those come to me. So I, either way you want to do is fine with me. Info is right there on the website and you can just send it and ask for me or tell me what your problem is and we'll get together and see if we're part of the solution for you. All right. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect up with you and uh, whether or for whatever reason or any or all of the above, definitely as a great company. I admire what you guys do. Thank well, you. And pre so now I appreciate you guys. Are you coming back on, Marsha? I always know it's a, 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 a appreciate putting people setting aside some time to give some updates. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you either have an update on your journey, you have a new journey to tell or anything else that you'd like to apply to be on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Secondly, if you're a listener, a couple more things. One, if are in your podcast player, make sure to click subscribe so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about us. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your intellectual property, your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your business, go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Marsha. It's been fun to have you back on here a little bit about, more about what you have going on and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. I thank you very much. It was my pleasure.